Snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. It's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. He's going for Landry down by the end zone. A tumbling catch for a touchdown. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Mayfield's got the snap. Looks right, throws right, end zone. Touchdown. Anybody's the same old Browns. You. It's not the same old Browns. This is different. Welcome to the Not the Same Old Browns podcast. I am your host, Andy, and this is episode one. And I am beyond excited to get this podcast rolling. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about doing for, geez, six years now. Um, I feel like I'm more prepared for this now. I wasn't as prepared as I was back in 2015 when I first got the itch to do it. Um, streaming on Twitch, and, and I, that definitely gave me some more experience and preparation. I also have another podcast called Dead in Santa Carla. It's a horror movie podcast. Uh, we just dropped the episode 110 on that. Uh, I've been doing that for about a year and a half, so I feel like I'm more prepared. But uh, to kind of give you an idea of what we're looking to do here is I, I just want to bring funny, entertaining Browns content that maybe is kind of a little bit out of the norm. Uh, there's a lot of great Browns podcasts out there, and a lot of them are writers and experts and analysts, and that's definitely not myself. So we're going to try to bring a little bit more of something a little different uh, to this podcast, um, obviously bring you some, you know, some very informative Browns news and information and stuff like that. But we kind of want to go the more just laid back, fun, entertaining route. So that's what that's 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 the vision I have for this podcast. And I'm, I'm so glad it's here and I'm looking forward to get it started. If you missed the uh, trailer that I dropped last weekend, it kind of goes into more detail. It's like a quick five-minute trailer where I break down more visions of the podcast, certain formats and segments of ideas I have. So I'm looking forward to it. But here's episode one. And as we start out the podcast, I'm going to be the solo host, but I'm going to have guests on every week, every episode. And to kick off this episode, I couldn't have had anyone better to join me. Uh, he's an actor, comedian. Uh, the mastermind behind Brown's Daily Mock Draft and writer for the OBR, and he doesn't like pants, apparently. Stephen Thomas, my dude, <laughs> what is going on, man? Welcome in. Thanks for coming on with me. Thanks for having me on, Andy. And can I just say, because I know we're going to talk Browns for the most part, your horror movie podcast is kicking ass, and I have it marked. I want to say this. I missed it. <laughs> Last month, uh, when you did the episode on my favorite Friday the 13th, <laughs> Jason X. Marked. Yes, I'm gonna yes. go back and watch it because that the one in space is <laughs> so awful. I mean, it's indescribably bad, but I it's so much fun, and I can't wait to go back and I haven't watched that episode yet, but I'm I've got it marked and I'm gonna go watch it. So it, it truly is, it's almost like the action aliens version of friday the 13th that's what it feels like if, if, if it's it's like an aliens 
alien hybrid with Jason thrown in, which ob- with obviously not as much production value as aliens and alien, but it is a trip. But yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's like the writers from Plan 9 from Outer Space and Geely got together and, and did a, a Friday the 13th sequel. <laughs> You are not too fucking far off from that. <laughs> that is pretty balls to the wall accurate. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, start this off with kind of just... <clears throat> it's so funny, dude, because I-, I was I was thinking about this this morning. I want to say you and I have followed each other on Twitter for probably seven years, eight years. Got to be something like that. Going, yeah. back, going back to 2013 or 2014, because I was still living in L.A. at the time, and I know you're in that area. Um, right, you're still in that area, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we were both there. And it was funny because we never actually met in person while we both lived there. Right. Um, I tried to get you to come down to the Hollywood Browns backers bar a bunch of time, but you know, you, you got family, you got, you, you were traveling a lot with, with, uh, with your comedy and whatnot. And they sucked back then. Yeah, they, they did. <laughs> they did. And, it, and I was still there at eight 30 every morning. Dedication, where, baby. Yeah, again, gosh, those, <laughs> I, that is honestly one of the things I miss most about living in LA. Cause I'm just outside of Vegas now for the last four years is going to that Hollywood Browns backers bar. There was a good group of peeps there, man. It really, mm. truly is. Shout out to my boy, uh, uh, John Iraqi, who uh, owns the bar there. He's a good dude. Um, but it's funny because you and I actually did meet in person three years ago because uh, I'm outside of Vegas now. And you were emceeing at the Brad Garrett Comedy Club at MGM. Right. And we got the bullshit and finally meet. Lots changed since then, especially mm-hmm. last year, as far as comedy goes, yeah. because, because you were doing a shit ton of traveling with COVID and everything. How has that adjustment been from going traveling all the time to fuck, I'm at home all the time, but it doesn't sound like it's that bad of a deal for you now. Well, I, you know, I, I for me, I miss being on stage. I miss performing. I did it sure. for 25 years. You know, I was I did, you know, a thousand shows a year, however many it was for 20 straight years. It was what I did. And I, I don't miss the constant travel. Sure. Um, I don't miss, especially since, you know, I hurt my back a few years ago. And so yeah. the travel got even worse. Uh, I do miss being on stage. I miss a lot of my friends. Cause I, I you know, I, I knew people in the clubs. I, I worked a lot of cruise ships and that's a relatively small entertainment community. So I have friends all over the world that I haven't seen in forever, but I gotta say, I'm getting to the age now where my couch is just fine for me. I'm, I'm as far as I'm driving my wife out of her damn mind. Oh, I, I will say that she's <laughs> like, you need to book something. And I don't even care if you're paid, just go away. I'm driving her nuts. But as far as me, yeah, it's okay. And then I picked up the gig at the OBR. Like you said, Barry was yeah. kind enough to bring me on and that's been fun. Uh, and you know, of course this past season, they made the playoffs, which made it even more fun. So yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to say it's a good thing um but i'm adjusting okay sure that's good man uh, we're having seem, fun so seems like we've both kind of made the most of it because when covid hit i had already just started my podcast for about six months but the reason i even kind of wanted to start the podcast was i needed something to do because from the summer of 2019 until the fall of 2020 I was very ill and sick. Uh, Long story short, I got misdiagnosed by my doctor. Mm. Uh, We found out what it really, truly was after like, damn, like 13 months, literally. And two couple surgeries later, I am 100% 
recovered and everything. Thank you. And I'm back to my norm. I've packed on a bunch of weight, but that's good because <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Cause I wasn't, they thought I had a digestive disease, but it turned out it was just a 2.5 centimeter kidney stone, mm. which is about eight or nine times the average of your size of the average kidney stone. So they got that removed. So I'm good to go there, but I was, I'm also, but what's funny is when I was sick, I was doing, I had already been streaming on Twitch for about a year and a half. So, you know, I've kind of gotten this itch to do the kids today. This is what they call it. They call it content creation. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing and I've, and I'm enjoying doing this. And so we're kind of in the same boat, dude. Well, that's the key. Be happy. You know, you (laughs) get to a certain age and you realize, you know, pardon my language, but the rest of it is just bullshit. You know, this is be happy, be good to your family, you know, and, and, you know, uh, be a, a loyal friend to people who are loyal back to you In in the end, the rest of it is all just complete bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about real, real quick, a little bit this past Brown season. Mm. It's a long time coming, dude. Um, This is probably the most fun I've had with a Cleveland, not even just Browns, but just Cleveland sports team since the 95 Indians. Um, Probably the most I've had fun with the Browns I've had. Uh, there was some fun. There was a couple fun Belichick years and a couple not so fun Belichick years. Mm. Um, but probably, I mean, shit, probably since the late eight, mid late eighties, since this the Bernie the, teams. Yeah. yeah, this is the most fun I've had. What did this season mean to you, man? Well, that was pretty much it. I mean, I'm not uh, ashamed to admit I wept openly when they <laughs> when they finally clinched. You know, and and in true Browns fashion against the Steelers backups, they had they had to drag it out until the <laughs> last course. possible second. They couldn't just put it away. I, I, they were up by 15 in the fourth quarter, and I, I saw people celebrating. And I was like, "What is wrong with you? Are you new here?" But when they finally did it, when when Maserati happened and Baker, you know, converted that third down, and you know, I cried like a baby, and not afraid shame to admit it because it's been such. A slog, man. I'm in my 50s now. I was a I teenager during the Bernie years. That's a yeah. long freaking time. And for the younger generation, yeah, a lot of young fans out there. If you're under 30, you've you've never known. Oh anything gosh. But our team being a clown car, and so this turnaround is it's so important to just your psyche. Just get that monkey off your back. You I know, know. It, it's it's been a long time coming, and I'm I'm with you. This is the last year of my 30s. I, I'll I'll be 40 in September. I'm catching up with you, um, mm. but it's, uh, I mean, I probably, the, it was the 86 season was the first season I started that I remember and started watching mm. and that was so much fun. And I oh. thought at the time it was just, you know, this is the norm, you know, and right. everything, God, the history sense has just been nothing but heartache and pain. Yeah. Hey, take the knife out. Damn it. Somebody take it out. And, you know, it's one of those, gosh. And then it was, you know, the Belichick years into the move. The move killed me. I think the move kind of killed me. It Mm. did. That was, that was a, I was at, I was at, were you, were you happened to be at the last game on December 17th? Of course I was. Yeah. I was too. It was my dad's. I still uh, have my seat. Yeah. Yeah. 
same bud mm-hmm. um it was my dad's 39th birthday of all things too he, he and i went and uh but man it's been a long time coming and this is not the same old browns this is different bud and i'm yeah because i mean you look at it even even in the 2002 year where they made the playoffs and yes. the 2007 year when they should have but didn't yeah, 10 and 6 and missed. even though we didn't want to admit it underneath we all knew it was a, a fluke it was yeah. a facade we knew that deep down the team didn't have the bones yes to go ahead and do it again for a long period of time this team appears to have solid bones and yes. the right people in charge at the right time right. so i mean you know you never know how it's going to work out in the future but it looks like they're set up for a legitimate five six seven year window i know i mean this this season and i'm glad you brought up like even like the 07 season this season feels even a lot different than that a lot different absolutely um even just at the quarterback position uh just certain players we have in place and most importantly i think is like you said the people kind of running the show Mm -hmm. and that starts with uh kevin stefanski and andrew barry oh yeah and I just cannot wait to get this season rolling in oh, 2021. I'm so fired up. I, it's the days are going to be this next week. I've been looking forward to this next week <laughs> since about October, since I started thinking, okay, we got a real shot here. What's <laughs> what's available in the off season to help us take the next step next year. I've been looking at this and I can't wait to finally get some answers. Yeah. I'm One way you. or the other, whatever they do or don't do. I, mean, I know our preferences. Yeah, but I I just want to know. Yeah, you know? I know because it's 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 right in front of them, and it's it, so exciting. And you're right. It's you 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 said that well. It's it's you know everyone has their preferences, but it's just finally knowing what they yeah. do because because once we know what they do in free agency, then that for for you for the Browns daily mock draft that's gonna that's gonna affect that a lot too because you know, we got this position, this position, this position, maybe in free agency. And then that kind of affects the draft as well. Sure. Actually, absolutely. I want to talk about Brown's daily mock draft real quick before we start getting everything else. Sure. First of all, I love what a sick bastard you are because <laughs> that <laughs> when you started doing this, how long ago was it now? Three or four years now? This is the year five. Year five. Jeez. God, time flies. So it was year. F- yeah, that's right. Cause you, you were doing it. You didn't actually like when you started the Browns mock draft uh, Twitter account was probably right. about three or four years ago. Right? It was the third year. I think. Third year. Okay. Yeah. So it's funny because that shit you were doing where you were just literally doing a draft every day of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what was happening. That is some sick shit that I would get. Out of. <laughs> like I kind of like, I, I, I kind of compare it to like when I'm preparing for like a fantasy football draft or a fantasy baseball draft, I will literally do like, five to 10 mock drafts a day for like a month leading up sure. but you were doing a mock draft the kind of actually i'm gonna let you explain it for those that don't know i'm sure most of the listeners people tuning in know about brown's daily mock draft but give me the inspiration and how the hell you came up with this idea i think it's just because you're a sick bastard like me but well that's that's a big part of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's medically uh proven my doctor I have, a, I have a card um helps me get my weed yes Um, absolutely no the first year it was i saw um 
it was five years ago. And I think I'm pretty sure it was Matt Miller put out that, you know, the week after the draft, most of the bigger draft guys will put out that way too early look at next year. And and people, I noticed on Twitter, people were arguing like, (laughs) like it's a year away and they're saying, you know, no way in hell that's you're stupid. And I'm like, it's a fucking year. We still have, we haven't played. And so I just one day, and back then fan speak was the only option. They were the original, the only online simulator. And I said, I wonder what it would be like to do a mock every day of the year and screenshot it and then keep track so that a year from now we can look back and say, Hey, we thought this and it turned out to be wrong. We thought that, and it turned out to be right. And watch how these guys ebb and flow yes. over the course of the season. I just, I just thought it would be interesting. And, you know, traveling as a comedian spending 23 hours a day alone, you know, it gave me something to do. Yeah. So, and for some reason, uh, people in, in Brown's, Twitter started getting interested. And so I finished the first year and people were like, Oh, you got to do it again. And I was like, really? Okay. Maybe I I have something here. I did the second one. And, but honestly, it wasn't until last year that I even considered anything like uh, somebody asked me, you know, have you thought about trying to put it on cleveland.com or, or, you know, approaching USA today. And I was like, no, I haven't thought of that. That's insane. Why would they care? (laughs) You know, you know, because we're then, sick motherfuckers, Steven. That's why. Well, that's the thing. You know, Browns fans, we're all pretty sick. We're sick in the head. There's no and doubt. And then uh, about a year ago, uh, uh, well, actually, it was shortly after COVID uh, hit, Barry uh, at the OBR gave me a call and I was like, well, yeah, let's, you know, see if there's anybody that's actually interested. So we'll put it. So this is the first year that it's been, you know, anywhere professional instead of just me on my Twitter account. Um, and it's been a blast. It's a lot more work because if you remember before, it was just on my Twitter account. I would literally yes. do the draft, screenshot it, shot and it, and done. That was it. Yeah, and there it was, was no write up. And you, you enjoyed know? it too. There's no doubt. Yeah, because yeah, you're sick like me. Yeah, I, I still do. <laughs> yeah, I still do. But it's definitely a lot more work now, you right? Know, because I got to put together at least something that sounds semi-responsible about each guy each day and put it out, and it's got to look sort of professional and you know. So, you know, it's been a blast. It's been fun. People are enjoying it. The page views are off the charts, which That's is awesome, nice. man. And rightfully so. so. You, I mean, we'll see, you, you're, you know, guys, if you haven't checked out Stephen Thomas's uh, Stephen's comedy, I mean, you, he's you can find it on Spotify and all that. Right. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen him MC live in person. I've listened to some of his uh, albums and whatnot. Hilarious dude, guys hilarious dude most of you already know this but he really truly is he's a humble nice fucker but he is funny um that might be the name of my next album humble nice fucker (laughs) perfect perfect i don't even have to give me credit for i don't even want credit you deserve it um it's funny you you mentioned brown's twitter arguing over mock drafts from a year away (laughs) (laughs) one funny dynamic that i've always found or something i get that i well how do i put this Something that's really been funny for me for now for about seven, eight years is Brown's Twitter. And I get a kick out of it because a lot, there's a lot of good people on there. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's some people that just want to get on there and argue and, and, and pump up their chest. I know this, I know that. Um, but I, I love the dynamic of Brown's Twitter because it, it truly does, whether you're nice or not on there, it does, it shows how passionate this fan base is. Oh, sure. And there have been some funny 
Brown's Twitter moments over the years and that all of us have gotten a huge laugh out of. Uh, I mean, I, I once sent I, I once asked Joe Banner to send me nudes and he actually fucking responded. <laughs> you sure you want them coming right huh? at you? He said. <laughs> like, where the hell else are you going to find shit like that? other than Brown's Twitter. It, it's, 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 it's a funny thing. And the, we all survived, whether which side you were on, we all survived the Johnny Wars. Those were some good times. Those are, those were some of the memorable ones. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. I, I, that was the, I'm no expert. I'm no genius. You, you evaluate these players more than I, like obviously a lot more than I do. I don't even evaluate. I just read a little bit and find out, but that is the one player I did not want the Browns to take. And I was, I gave it a pass at first because they got him at 22 within two months. I was like, God, I knew that was a mistake. Yeah. I actually, I can't, I can't make that clean. I I, deep down, I knew better, but I fell for it. I wanted him to be Johnny football. I I think the night swing and a miss every, every month leading up to that draft, I was like, no, we can't. I just, Shit he said and shit he did just rubbed me the wrong way. I think there's a there's some receipts. I, I'm gonna go to the tweet receipts. I, I'm mm-hmm. that guy right now. I've tweeted something in like uh, I was during his last season at at uh, at AM and he was. Uh, I tweeted something into the effect of Johnny Manziel is Ryan Leaf reincarnated, mm. and or a. Uh, a mobile Ryan Leaf reincarnated is what I said. But when, when, when they took him, I'll admit, because there were some experts, there was Browns fans that wanted us to take him at four that year. I believe it was right. four. And I was like, hell no. Mm-hmm. And then when we got him at 22, I'm like, okay. Cause I'm optimistic Browns fan. I'm, I'm also open-minded too. And I'm open-minded to give players, coaches, GMs, always a chance you know i'm I, i'm open-minded to that I'm, i feel like some some browns fans out there are a little closed-minded when it comes to stuff like that you got to be more open-minded and i'm just a browns fan at heart and of course i wanted johnny to be great i want him to be johnny football sure but um yeah that did that definitely didn't work out <laughs> yeah it's you know and i think uh, we can all say this whether we like anybody in the draft or not yes. as soon as they become a brown now we're rooting for him. You know, I mean, yeah. I remember <clears throat> when they drafted Brandon Whedon, I jumped off the couch, hurled my hat across the wall uh, of the room. I oh, I was mad about that one. So too. many curse words. I was. And then about 10 minutes later, I was like, all right. And then, you yeah, know, it's he, like we got to roll with it. It's it's really weird because if you look back at that, him and Trent Richardson, both they had for rookies, not bad year. They were OK. Yeah. And, you know, and he battled and he <laughs> he. Flat American he had, flags to boot. He battled he had those the right as well. attitude and everything. And then, if you remember the following preseason, they brought in Norv Turner, yeah. who was specifically designed an offense that fit well with Brandon's <laughs> skill set. And if you remember in the preseason, he tore it up. And I was he like, did. shit. Oh Here my we God. Go. Okay. I bought it. Yeah. And that was the last time I ever believed anything in the preseason ever. I, yeah. I will always go back to that. You know, it, it's funny you bring up weed as much as I went on that Johnny rant. The Whedon pick at the time made me more even more upset than the Johnny pick, without a doubt. And I, I wasn't, yeah. But times are changing. Oh times, yeah, 
times are changing. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about the fun stuff. Yeah, when the this fun, team. Yes, the fun stuff coming up here is we're we're on the uh, brink of free agency. So this is our this Finally. is ep- this is episode one of not the same old Browns podcast, and we are going to be previewing free agency with my dude Steven here. <sighs> defense, 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 and more defense, Steven. Um, mm-hmm. I guess let's let's fire up with this. Right now, on that defense, I think all Browns fans know defense is what we need. But what are the main needs on defense, in your opinion, right now? Well, uh, the entire defensive backfield, specifically the cornerback room, needs a a couple starters and a ton of depth. I mean, right now we have that you can count on and are under contract. We've got Denzel Ward. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a Ronnie Harrison believer. Some I am too. Aren't I am too. A Harrison believer. I he just needs to stay healthy, and I think he's going to be more than fine. Yeah. yeah, and that's in the defensive backfield. That's it. I mean, we're all yeah. rooting for greedy. Yeah, but it's a nerve issue. That's a serious, that's, serious thing. Yes. If he comes back, I think, and this is no disrespect to him, I think we have to approach it as he would be a bonus, right? You know, rather than somebody to be counted on. Now, in the building, they may have. Well, I'm sure they have much better information on him. And sure. If they, He's totally clean and, you know, doctors are clearing him. And uh, then that's a different story. But we out here, we don't know that. And basically the same thing for Grant Delpit. I mean, he's young. So you would think he would be able to come back. But an Achilles is a serious, serious thing. And then on top of that, even if he does come back from the injury, he's a rookie. So we don't know. We know what we think he can be. We know why we drafted him so high. And I believe he can be one hell of a football player back there. Yeah. But we don't know. He's still still a rookie. So really, you have to go into this offseason looking at the, uh, the defensive backfield like you need at least one more safety. Yeah. You need a starter, at least a capable starter, if not a star on the outside at corner. And there really aren't mm-hmm. a lot of stars in the free agent market. No. A starter in the slot. And then depth. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's going to be a lot more like they did last year. One year deals, the, the third tier free agents that they call yeah. them, that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. There's going to be a lot of those, uh, not just in the defensive backfield, but all over the defense. So, yeah, they I think right now I, I'm huge in pass rush and coverage. So I, I think they're going to go out and swing heavy um, at edge. Yeah, uh, I think they would like to swing heavy at corner, but the it's, market really isn't there. It's not a good cornerback market this year. There's it's some not. good slots. There are, but but outside number two guys there's or even number one guys, no. There's you got to really go into the thin. trade market for that. Yes, yes. And who knows how much of those rumors are true? Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Yeah. But the safety market as well is pretty, pretty good. So yeah. I think if you ask me right now to guess, I think they're going to swing big at edge. I think yeah. they're going to swing big at big. At safety, I think they're going to make a targeted signing in the slot, and I think they're going to pick up at least two or three guys, one of whom can be at least a capable starter right. on the outside, and then they're going to attack corner early in the draft. draft. That's what I think they're going to do. It would make so, sense. So they probably won't do any of that. Yeah, I was talking to my dad the other day, and we were talking about it, and we were at this exact subject about free agency's thin at corner. On the outside, it is. Mm-hmm. And this upcoming draft looks pretty decent at corner. You're going to be able to get some corners there with that late first round pick. Um, what are some uh, what are some edge guys that you think would be good fits for Browns to target in free agency? 
Well, I mean, all the big names. Yeah. I mean, you know, Trey Hendrickson is my guy. Is that um, is that your number numero uno? That's what, actually my numero uno was going to be JJ Watt. Right. Uh, yeah. For the reason that he's still performing at a high level. He yes. came in on a two year deal. Um, it's versatile so he, too. Yes, and he would give immediate championship level impact and still allow you to draft a young edge to learn behind him to Absolutely. take over in two years. That would have been the perfect scenario. I wanted um, him bad, Stephen. I wanted him bad. I did. So, you know, I mean, and maybe they do, maybe they go after like a Carlos Dunlap or somebody else yeah. that's a little bit older to give them that same flexibility. I don't know, but my guess is they're going to swing first at Trey Hendrickson and uh, Yannick Ngakwe yeah. and um, uh, Romeo Quara. Uh, those are the three biggest names. And then there, there's some other, you know, uh, down the line a little bit, you've got, um, uh, Carl Lawson, apparently I that thought was, he was a lock to go back and get tagged in Cincinnati. I thought yeah. he was a lock. That was the next um, name I was going to ask about with you. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and then I think even if they do sign a big one, like let, let's say they get Carl Lawson or Trey Hendrickson, whoever sure. is, big money, big, big ticket edge. I still think they're going to bring in a guy like Tack McKinley. Okay. I think they're going to bring in another one because they just released Adrian Claiborne. Who, yeah. Who I liked that was going to be my follow-up. What do you take away from that? What, what What's to read into that from them releasing I, Claiborne? Is there much to read know. into it? I don't know if there's any big conspiracy stuff to read. It's <laughs> like 3 million in cap space. Yeah. And, you know, he was because of the issue that he has uh, with his shoulder, he can only line up on one side. Yeah. So maybe they're going to bring in a guy they think, at roughly that same dollar amount to be their third or fourth edge. It also might, and I don't know this, it might mean they're more pleased with Curtis Weaver than anybody sure. out here knows. Sure. Um, but they tried to uh, claim Tack McKinley 74 times last year when he was getting released over and over and over. And they just, they always got outbid. So obviously they like him. I'm not a big tack guy, but he's young. He's athletic. Maybe they see something specific on film. That's one thing you never know in the NFL. Yeah. A coach may see something. Well, obviously his footwork is yada, yada, yada. And if we fix that, you know, then that's why sometimes these guys are busts and then they go someplace else and suddenly they're a completely different player. So I don't know. And then I think, you know, it does not take uh, edge off the table, but maybe it pushes it down a little bit. Maybe you're looking at late day two, early day three uh, for another edge like that. So you know, yeah. th there's a lot of options. Because they that, definitely they need depth there too now. I mean, because, you know, Vernon, we can't, can't, I mean, I don't think, right. you know, we, we all know that. Yeah, it is. It's too bad. Um, he, I'll tell you, man, he, uh, he was playing well. He really was. He really, truly was. And a lot, a lot of the stuff he was doing, wasn't showing up in the stat sheet and a lot of right. it, some of it was um, really too bad. Um, so, I mean, you're down, you're down Vernon, who was a starter Claiborne again, he was a rotational guy, um, right. but played solid well in depth. Yeah. Solid depth, but he played well in spots. So it, to me, it, it seems that it's pretty much like you already said, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to target an edge guy in free mm -hmm. agency, and I'm sure they're going to draft one too. I would right. assume. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say a big ticket edge and then a lower tier edge like a Tack McKinley or maybe a, a Ronald Blair, a guy they're trying to get back from injury on a, uh, a, a very small contract. And then, you know, wait for the right value. I mean, if, you know, pick your guy, Joe Trion is still there at a certain level, you know, and you don't think, you know, say they have him graded as a late day one grade and he's sure. still there at 59 or, or, or 89 or whatever. Then you, you snag a guy like that, young, athletic, upside, versatile. 
uh, and you let them come in and learn behind these guys. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to, I think you're going to do that. I think there's going to be a, some kind of signing on the interior defensive line. I have no idea what I'm glad you brought interior defensive line. It's a need. I, I feel like I'm, and I know I'm not alone. I know you've, you, you and I talked about this last year, a little bit on Twitter. I have been saying that going into last draft and I'm still saying it like, especially like Ogan Joby. I'm, I think we're all assuming he's not going to be back. And you know, it's kind of, he, he, it's not like he was lighting the world on fire the last couple of years. Anyway. I mean, he, was, right. he, played, all, he played all right, but at the same time, the depth on at defensive tackle is not good. <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's not that it's not good. It's just, it's, it's on, you got, you got uh, Jordan Elliott, who, mm-hmm. you know, is going to be in his second year. You got Billings. I'm assuming Billings is going to be back. Right. Um, but he had a year off. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be fine. And I actually, and I know you liked the Billings yes. signs a Great lot sign. last year. It was. And it was a shame that he, that he opted out for COVID, understandable. But uh, it was a shame because I really wanted to see him play. Right. Because um, that, w- that was a signing last year that really went under the radar. But, and is do you think Richardson's going to be back? I do. Okay. Well, I, I, mean, I hope so. I hope one, so. I like him. Me too. Uh, and two, he play. I mean, he didn't, you know, he wasn't yeah. PFF Donald. He, he, he didn't, he, I know PFF. He was, he has him pretty low as right. far, but he does some good. He does a lot of things. Well, he does. And he's a veteran presence too. Um, but and yeah. also the much like the corner market that we talked about the interior defensive line market, it just isn't there yeah. and it's not there in the draft either. Yeah. Uh, there's some guys I like, but they're all, uh, I don't want to say developmental because that sure. word has a certain connotation to it, but they're not, you know, uh, Quinn and Williams types, you know, right. where yeah. you, you expect them to come in and be stars. They're all. So <laughs> I think if nothing else, uh, my guess for a long time has been a restructure on Sheldon. Spread it out, get it because right now his cap hits thirteen and a half. Yes, which um, is a lot. Which is a lot. It, yeah, and a you know, uh, but they may be forced to just keep it there if he's not willing to come to the table. There's not a lot of guys out there that can replace him. But I think yeah. what they will do uh, is maybe spread it out to two years, get the cap hit down to eight ish, maybe yeah. nine, sure. something like that. And then that gives them the flexibility to go out and grab somebody. Maybe a, I like, I would love to get Indomitian Sue for $6 million oh. for one year. Yeah. You're not you know, um, or uh, I think. He uh, played well last year, by the way. Oh, he played great. great. And he, he played, did. he played on a one year, $8 million deal yeah. in a very similar situation. He's yes. not the guy he was five years ago. No, of course not. But he's still, if you put him in there and he had JPP on one side and he had uh, Shaq Barrett on the other side, so he's got a lot of one-on-ones. He can still yes. destroy those. Yeah, and he's he still would, a force. He would be in the same situation, yes. Miles and their big ticket edge on the other side. So one year, six million, seven yeah. million. And honestly, that. I I wouldn't be mad having that kind of nastiness too. Even though he is, uh, he he's got a reputation of always right. being a dirty player. But you know, some defenses, you know, it, it's as long as he can keep that in check, obviously. But I. I kind of, at the same time, I've always kind of appreciated a nasty edge like that. Well, and when for a team that's, and this is a new thing around here, we have to get used to a different way of operating in Cleveland. Yeah. For a team in your Super Bowl window, your roster manipulation and your yeah. cap manipulation are different. 
Right. Um, so a guy like that at 34 years old on a one year, maybe yes. two year deal, it can make sense. Not yes. every 35 year old free agent, but it no. can make sense. Yeah. Um, so a guy like him or maybe a Jarrell Casey, I would not be shocked if they were interested in grabbing Solomon Thomas. He's mm. the kind of former, still young, uh, very athletic, former high round pick that didn't work out. But if you look at his stuff in Cleveland or in San Francisco, I read an article Middle of last season, somewhere like that from one of the San Francisco writers that if you break it down into when he's on the edge versus when he's on the inside, sure, he's, he should be on the inside. That's where he's better. His grades, his production, everything is so, so, so much better. But they kept asking him to go outside. Inside, so, yeah. I, you know, and he, he would be dirt cheap. I can't imagine he would command that much of a market. But yeah. if you could bring him in and get any kind of production out of him, that's another signing that could be on the radar of an analytically driven front office like the one we have here. Right. Going back to last year, you and I, I remember having conversations with you on Twitter. You and I were just, and like most Browns fans last year, safety, 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 mm. safety. And I was so elated that uh, Delpit landed where he did and kind mm. of fell to us a bit. Um, and it's a damn shame, man. Gosh, mm-hmm. I hope that kid can recover because, like, like we were saying earlier, Achilles—that's no—that's no joke, man. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I think a best case scenario for Delpit is maybe by week eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, he can start to contribute. I hope, uh, but we can't bank on that. You can't. Uh, how can you? That's a serious injury. So, I. I I don't know what the hell they're going to do with safety, man, because they need another one. I, I do not want to trot out save a hoe or Sendejo or whatever his name is. Again, mm. I, I'm not, he, he played okay in spots, but man, every time I looked up on a big play, I see big pass play given up by the Browns defense. I see there's, there's number 23 trailing the receiver behind in coverage. I, um, what the well, hell in are his they? defense? He was asked to do he a wasn't lot of brought in to do that. Correct. He was That's brought true. in to play closer to the line, give a yep. veteran presence to yep. Grant Delpit. You know, that's what he was. I mean, the injuries they suffered in the defensive backfield last year. Uh, I mean, yeah. he's a fine. I know. And he, I mean, he's a fine uh, piece is like death at safety. He's right. fine there. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm a little hard on him and I think Browns fans are a little too hard on Sandejo. Yes. And I mean, I just called him save a hoe for fuck's sakes. Um <laughs> I don't know why that well, but yeah you, you wouldn't want him to be no I doing don't. the same thing no that they did this year and i don't think he's going to be i think you know there's there's uh um stuff out there connecting them to john johnson who was my number one choice and i know that's a joke i use but i really mean it this time he is um he's spectacular um he would be a perfect fit and that's the name i was gonna throw at it you. would accomplish two things a it gives you security in case Grant takes longer to come back, yes, like like you talked about, yeah. And even, the thing with an, an Achilles or an ACL, even the guys that do come back the next season, and everything I've read says he will be ready by yeah, camp. That's what they're saying. It takes another year to get back. That's to full yeah. confidence, and you know all to, that kind of stuff. To, to so, think to think week one that they're just right. going to throw them out there starting right out of the gates. If you expect that, you're 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 might be in for a, a rude awakening. Like yeah, that's, and I mean that's just not really realistic expectations. And he's 22. He's a world class athlete. So who knows? Maybe yeah. he'll come back and be totally fine. I, I hope so. I plan on that. Yeah, so I just it gives you safety there. And 
think about this. Let's say he does. Let's say Grant Delpit comes back healthy and becomes the Grant Delpit that we all think he can be. Yes. Now you got him and John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. Yeah. That takes that safety room from a deficit position to, to a, 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 a murderer's row. Yeah, a strength. Guys that can do three guys that can do anything. You and, know. And I mean, you a lot of you guys at the OBR, you you guys know a lot about more schematics than I do. There's no doubt about that. But is it it's a possibility if you let's say you did, like you said, Johnson, Harrison, and, and Delpit is when Delpit is ready. Mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of snaps where Woods is going to have them on the field at the same time. Oh, absolutely. He wants yeah. to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that. That's what he did. In, I mean, that's what right. they did in San Francisco. That's what Ronnie Harrison gonna... yes. would be in effect. The other linebacker. Correct. That yeah. you, all the people saying we need more linebackers. We need more. And the ones that, that I don't understand are that say we need linebackers to stop Lamar Jackson. Okay. Show me a linebacker that can chase down Lamar Jackson. That's not how, <laughs> that's not how it works. The teams that have slowed him down and beat him in the playoffs over the yeah. past few years have played dimes. They've yes. had yes. fast, bigger, you know, hybrid safety type guys to yeah. spy on him or, or keep an eye on him or that kind of that. That's what stopped him. Not, you know, and old school linebacker thumpers are going out of vogue all over the league just because yeah. the way the game is evolving. It's, yeah. The coverage is becoming far more important for linebacker. I mean, you Absolutely. still have to be able to play the run. I'm not Absolutely. You can't do it, but it, it's weighted more towards coverage now than it ever has been in the past, just because of the way the rules changes in the last 10 years heavily favor the offense, all that kind of stuff. And as far just on a general note, as far as uh, improving the defense, and we definitely need to improve the defense Yeah. For, for Browns fans, especially people my age, thinking that we're going to get the 85 bears or the 2000 Ravens or, you know, even the 2013 Legion of boom. Uh, <laughs> Come on, day, Steven. What do you mean? The, what, the rules don't allow it. Anymore. I know, I know. They just don't. They don't. I, I, expecting a defense to go out and just, just dominate yeah. mother for yeah. 16 straight weeks or 17. Now it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So no. you want to be able to score. You want to be able to score from all over the field. Yes. And if you can get a defense, you never want to say I want average, but if they can be 15th, 16th, 13th, sure. somewhere in there, you get four or five stops a game, create some turnovers. That's a key in today's NFL to give your offense favorable plus field position. Yes. That's really all you need. Now, would you like a top five defense? Of course. I'm not saying <laughs> don't go out and try to build one. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the way the rules in the game have changed, especially yes. in the five years, let alone 10 years, it's just not, it's not feasible to do that anymore for an entire season. It's just not, you just want a good enough defense that you can outscore the other guy. You brought up linebacker. So let's talk about it. And I, and, and you're right. Everything you said, and I, and I completely agree. I think, I think a lot of Browns fans are thinking about the old days of when they had some of the best linebacking cores in team history in the eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, those linebacking cores in the mid to, to the early mid nineties, the, the, from the mid eighties to the mid nineties, there were some good fucking Studs, linebackers, man. Holy shit. But it was a different game then it yeah. was, it was it without a doubt. But with that being said, how, where are you with, the talent in that room right now in the linebacker room. I still like Jacob's Jacob Phillips potential. Okay. Um, I like he's him. a sideline and a sideline guy. 
And he's I, got enough speed to, to yeah. do just about anything you want them right. to do. Um, he played well in spurts last year. At other times, he looked like a rookie, which is you know pretty yeah, much what you would obvious. expect. And then you throw in on top of that all the injuries they suffered on that defense there, and uh, it's kind of hard to judge any of the rookies last year. You know, uh, I thought B.J. Goodson was reliable, uh, was what they wanted him yeah. to be, a steadying presence, and I would not be shocked if both he and Malcolm Smith are back on short-term deals again this year. I would, wouldn't hate I would, it. Wouldn't shock me. In the least. And Good. I also wouldn't be shocked if they took another shot in late day two, early day three range. Right. If the right guy is there, I, yes. you know, Cameron McGrone has been showing up a lot in my mock drafts lately. Um, similar to uh, uh, Phillips in that he's very fast, young, raw. He's only 20 yeah. years old, but that's the kind of guys that you want there, but they don't really want two linebackers on the field if they can help it like we were talking yeah. about before three I, I mean that's what I think that's the thing that a lot of a lot of fans are having trouble grasping it's not their mm -hmm. fault it's just just it's just it's different it, it, it is it's a different type of scheme that Joe that Woods run and honestly a lot of teams are kind of adopting it, it's yep. it's you know the nickel and dime I mean that's that's what all these teams are running now and it's it, you like those old I met Back in the day, man, it used to be four, three, three, four. What are we arguing right. about? You know, that used to be that big argument, four, three or versus the three, four. Now it's even different than that because it's it's like you said, like you in an essence, if like if they did sign Johnson, they have Ronnie Harrison and they have Delpit back healthy, Harrison's gonna be your second linebacker in the field. For all uh, intents and purposes, yeah. I mean, really, that's the best way to describe it. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. So it's it's you know. <sighs> I, I, I'm with you on Phillips. I, I, I was honestly surprised. Well, I, I want to, I don't want to say I was surprised when they took him. Um, memory serves me correctly. He went a little higher than he was projected. If I remember right. Or was, did he go, he went right about when somewhere where he, in that range. Yeah. Late, he was somewhere late in two, there. early three. Right. So it's <sighs> linebackers. Just, it, it is wild how pretty much we woke up one day and linebackers, don't matter as much as they used to it seems it's well the, again the rules change the rules have changed yeah. yeah um the chiefs are the king right now and they run four and five wides yeah crossing routes rub routes you, you know all this you can't have two you can't have three linebackers on the field against that you can't no yeah, you can't obviously. have i mean and these guys <laughs> these guys were great in their time but you can't have uh, Pepper Johnson and and you no. know uh, Carl they, Banks, yeah, Carl Banks. You can't have them against <laughs> no. them. Yeah. You can't. They were, uh, I mean, Hall of Famers. You know, tremendous <laughs> players. And but it was a totally different game back then. I mean, so, if y'all want Mac Wilson lining up on Tyree Kill in the slot, by all means, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's go for it. Mac Wilson, man, he tweets a lot. <laughs> man, you can't fault his effort. I feel I, he, does. he I, does. I feel he so plays bad plays because. Hard. He, he just wants it so bad he and does. he's got tools. He's, he's athletic and he's big and he's smart and he's fast and just, I, and you know, there are much better film breakdown guys than me, much, yeah. much better film breakdown guys than me. And they just constantly say he's out of position on this play. He's out of position on that play. I, I feel so bad because he, he wants is it driven. so bad and he's really into the community and he's a yeah. good guy and he busts his ass. I, I just don't know if it's going to work out. I just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be so pretty much. I mean, 
I think they probably, I would think that they would bring Goodson back on a one-year deal. I would think. So pretty much the linebacker room is going to be pretty similar to what it was last year with maybe, like you said, a day two or day three guy thrown in. Probably. I mean, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe, and you know, maybe a guy like KJ Wright isn't getting the market that he wants because this is such a weird year. And he says, you know what? I think Cleveland's got a good chance to win a championship. I'm going to go there on a one-year deal for, half of what he's worth, you know, whatever that is, 4 million, 8 million, whatever it is. And, you know, maybe they surprise us with something like that, but I just, all the Levante David talk, I just, yeah. yeah. On the field. Sure. If you're just talking about on the field, who wouldn't want Levante David on their team? Great freaking football player, but absolutely. It just didn't make sense to me. I would have been stunned if, if, if he hit the market and then they actually, he ended up here. I would have been very, very surprised. Yeah. Uh, right. KJ Wright comes back to what you said earlier where, you know, the Browns are, this is, this is just such a much awesomer position to be in compared uh-huh. to, you know, 2018, 2017. Like there, there's no, I mean, a Dominic Sue on a one-year deal wasn't even in the cards at all. Right. Now, that this isn't the not the same old Browns. This is the kind, this is what I'm looking forward to, Stephen, is we're finally in the position to take a one year, I'll, I'll just call it what it is. It's a one year flyer to see, to, to help put your team over the top. That's, yep. that's what those moves are. And I just, fuck, we're actually here. We're in this position. They're in this position to make moves like that. And they're, I, they're a team that from the other side of that equation, a veteran over 30 who has never won a ring, who is looking to, to win one. We are now a place that they look at and they go, Hey, I could win a ring in Cleveland. What? what? We obviously all died Woo! last year. And this is, this is our version of heaven because there's no way this is it real is. life. You know, it, it, I'm it, dead. I'm convinced. <laughs> but I, it's, I mean, you know, guy like Gerald McCoy last week said something right. about wanting to win a ring and, you know, and, and Dominican Sue has one now. So maybe he's, yeah. his mindset changes, but uh, other guys, you know, that are over 30 have never re- reached the mountaintop. Cleveland's a legitimate option for yeah. them now. Whereas before, and we'll get to, we, I'm sure we're going to talk about some of these guys at the end. Uh, the only over 30 veterans that we got were the guys, you know, making one last bag and then coasting <laughs> their whole time here. Oh yeah. Yeah. You we've know? got a, we've got a treat for you here in a little bit guys. Uh, <laughs> we're going to, we, we, we put together our top three worst Browns free agent signs since 1999. So that's going to be mm. a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think while the Claiborne release, it, it shouldn't signal much, Mm-mm. But I, I think it kind of does solidify. And I think, but here's the thing. It, I think it was already solidified that they were going to address edge and free agency. I mm-hmm. think, if, I think mm-hmm. if they make a big splash move, it's going to be at edge. It just makes sense. I really want another edge guy, Steven. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I want to line up a fucking stud right next to miles and let's go get it. Yep. Um, I guess, you know, as far as fuck, I just, man, safeties, and free agency is thin, right? Isn't it pretty thin? This there's class? some pretty good safety. Well, there's some pretty good the, safeties. Okay, corner. Yeah, corner is what's really thin, right? Outside, yeah, 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 corner. Yeah, on the outside. There's some good slots, but the outside, who, it's just not there. Who are a couple slot guys that you like in free agency? Uh, Cam Sutton, uh, right off the top. Although I think the recent Big Ben move, well, if 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 they didn't come right out and say it, 
it was they implied well. that that was specifically we want Cam Sutton and probably one other guy back with this money. Uh, but if he were to hit the market, he'd be right up there. Brian Poole, uh, as long as they get good um, reports on his shoulder surgery, and I've seen nothing but good reports on that, he would be another guy that I would love in there. Yeah. And then there's guys. He's always like, been a good player, man, Poole. Yeah, he really has solid. He he's not going to be an all pro. He's not no. going to be a guy that you know comes solid. in and demands star money. But he's he's really good in coverage. He's a reliable yes. tackler. He shuts up and he does his job. You know, um, you could they could even go for a you know like a a, a Nickel Roby Coleman who's still yeah. under thirty. Uh, was in that mess in Philadelphia last year. I don't think you can judge any individual player on the Eagles defense because it was just a nightmare last year. Fucking um, so, you know, maybe they get him on a one-year deal. He tries to resurrect and grab another bag sure. next year someplace. There's, there's a few guys. Troy Hill's out there. As far as the outside guys, uh, uh, William it's, Jackson Thurry is probably the headliner. But yeah. he's 28. He's yeah. 28 years old. And this, uh, this cycling back, He's a good example of why age matters in the draft. This is a perfect yes. example. Right. He's just finishing up his rookie contract and he's 28 years, years old. old. Yeah. So whatever contract he gets now, he's going to be over 30 by the time it's mm -hmm. over. So he needs yep. a bag. Whereas yep. if you draft a guy who's 20, he's 24, 25 at the end of his rookie deal. I mean, it's, it's simple math. This, so when people say, Oh, why does age matter? Who gives a crap? Well, this is part of this. It. Is this it. is it. Part of the reason, you know, yeah. he's going to be 30. So maybe the, and he's good. So maybe they give yeah. him that bag. I don't know. But uh, Shaquille Griffin in uh, uh, yeah. Seattle is yes. another guy. He's um, an interesting player. He's big, played all long. Yes. And he's played really well in spurts and then not yes. played so well in others. But when right. he has played well, uh, he has played extremely, extremely well. Yeah, exactly. So if, again, it's going to come down to, and I think Shaquille might fall into that uh, tier of free agents that all the experts are talking, the stars are going to get paid, but because yeah. of this bizarre, unprecedented cap drop, the next tier is going to get frozen out of a lot of the money they think. So yes. they might be enticed to come on shorter term under market deals. Sure. He might be one of those one of those guys. And if he, let's say he comes and he balls out, that doesn't necessarily mean that next big bag is someplace else. If yeah. he comes in and he balls out this year and the TV revenues are great and they have a good idea of where the cap is headed, Andrew Barry will go, okay, we've got you. Why are we going to go We're out done. someplace else next year? Yeah. We're going to resign you here and give you the bag you want. I, you know, it, it's so hard to predict this year because <laughs> none of us have ever seen anything like this. Well, exactly. For the Browns to be in this position, they are in, in the – strategy of how they're going to continue to build the team as a contender right i jesus wake me <laughs> you're right we are dead this 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 is heaven this ain't <laughs> real man it can't be this, you can't convince me of it ah oh, shit well i think i think we hit that free agent uh the upcoming free agent window of who we should be looking at and what to expect Real quick before we jump jump into our top three worst browns free agent mm. signings since 99 I want to talk about real quick. Brown's got some decisions of players that whether they're going to keep, let go. Seems like it's a lot. Piece. Yes. It seems like there's going to be a lot that are let go uh, that could be going out the door. Najoku, uh, Hollywood Higgins. Um, where are you at with those kind of guys? I mean, it's it's because they've got – here's the other thing that we're not used to. We're in a position to give – some core borderline or superstar players, second contracts like Baker, 
uh, Denzel Ward, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, where can you fall out, fall, fall in on all that? Like, do, do you think they extend Baker this off season? Do you think they wait a year? What are they going to do with Chubb? What are they going to do with Denzel? And, and also maybe speak on Hollywood and, David and Joker a little bit. Well, yeah, that's the first piece we're waiting for. Uh, most specifically, Terrence Mitchell, yeah, and and Kevin yes. Johnson and Carl Joseph, yeah, because those are three guys who, especially Terrence Mitchell, yes, just solid. Just, I I love I love to, I, I love Mitch, man. I he's really that do. Third corner that you want on your team. He Absolutely. does his job. Absolutely, he can play corner the second corner spot if you need him to yep. and do it well. Uh, he can play inside. He can play outside. He's not particularly expensive. Nope. But does he think he's earned a bigger bag than we're willing to give him here? And does he want a bigger role? I, yeah. It's hard to say. Um, of those I hope, three. I hope they bring him back. I do. I hope they're able to work I would something. love it. Me too. He would be the one of those three. And then me second too. for me to bring back would be, because I really liked what Carl Joseph did in that hybrid role, that other linebacker role. Rather yeah. Than a true what he was player. asked to do. I, yeah. I, I was happy with Carl Joseph, actually. Yeah. I was. And again, I, it's, it's going to come down to what does he think he's earned? I mean, yeah. you know, if, if he wants a five-year, you know, whatever million-dollar deal, he's probably not going to get that here. If he's willing to no. come back on another short-term reasonable deal, right. I think they'd like to have him because you give him the versatility and the depth and again, back there that we and, were talking about. Because safety, I mean, you know, we don't we, – we just don't know – until we get to it, what, what we're going to have with Del. Right. We don't know. And it's not that I don't think he's talented. I think he's super talented. He was right. one of my favorite safeties in last year's draft. I love you can't that. can't count team. on him. You, you can't. And then, not to mention, you and I both are Ronnie Harrison guys. I'm with you on Ronnie Harrison. I mm-hmm. think he's a baller. I truly do. He's got a lot of skills. But he also is a little injury. He's, he's had trouble staying healthy. Yep. So, uh, he, you know, I, I, I don't want to label him injury prone. I hate labeling players that way, but you, it's kind of hard to ignore that. So with that being said, I mean, they're going to they're going to have to fill in some depth around that secondary. And it's. Uh, oh, God, it's like you said, I just can't wait to see what happens. A lot of new faces, a lot of new faces, man. As far as uh, Najoku. Yeah, I, I want him. I don't, I, I'm, I'm with he you. He does dude. so many things. Well, he's still only 24 years old. Dude, that boy blocked his ass off oh. last year, man. Come and on. The hands, the hands are improved. The hand, he made they some have. catches last year that were tremendous. Yes. And tight ends a very, very tough, very slow developing position. Absolutely. So when you find a guy like that, who's under 25 years old and a freak however, athlete, dude, freak I, athlete. I understand. However, the flip side to that, and part of it, we got to admit, it's agent driven. His yeah. agent doesn't like us. No, um, <laughs> he does so not. Anytime Drew Rosenhaus is involved, <laughs> you have to take it as part of the the deal. You know, it is, is. he going to hold him up? I mean, it's it's a person. I don't know what happened. I don't know. And I don't profess to know. But he doesn't like I, us very much. Drew Rosenhaus probably doesn't like many teams. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably. A lot don't like him either. <laughs> exactly. I think but, it's a mutual thing. So I think from the Browns' perspective, when it comes to Najoku, I think they want him, first of all. Yeah, I think, of course. I think, Why I think wouldn't their you? preference would be to work something out. But do they have the money that he wants? Do they have the yeah. role that he wants? And here's the other piece. If some team comes to you with a trade opportunity and – they're making him a, a deal-breaking part. 
you know, yeah. and, and whoever, it, I don't, you know, Marshawn Ladder, whoever it happens <laughs> to be, whoever uh-huh. it happens to be, it doesn't matter the specific players, but, yes. but the other team says, okay, we've agreed to everything else, but you have to throw in David Njoku or no deal. Well, now Andrew Barry has to decide, does the guy we're trading for offer more value now in long term sure. than David would, including the headache from his agent and everything else? So I get it. I, I understand yeah. where that part of it comes from and the motivation for it. My, my hope is that it all works out and that he's here for a long time. Yeah. And it also plays into as well as you can't keep everyone. Is, well, that's part of that's rich people problems, right? Yeah, there. yeah, that's it, good team problems. And Super again, Bowl contenders have to let good players walk every single year. We're not used to that around here. Exactly. It's, it, 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 and again, it, we must be dead, man. This must be heaven because <laughs> the fact that we have to like maybe that not maybe gonna have to let good young players walk out the door because yeah. we got to resign our other good young players and also right. keep building the roster moving forward. It's you can't. Sadly, you can't. You can't resign everyone. You can't keep everyone. And I, I'm well, with, unless you're the Saints, because yeah. money isn't real in New Orleans. <laughs> right? Apparently. apparently not. What the fuck? What is going on there? I Did don't know. Someone explain that to me. I was. I don't know. Math was always my weakness. <laughs> I don't get it. But if someone can fucking tell me what the hell is going down <laughs> in New Orleans, I can't with that. But, yeah. but yeah. I guess uh, we'll we'll kind of end that that this convo on this. You think they give Baker an extension this offseason? I don't know about this offseason. I think they will. I think at minimum they're going to pick up his option as mm-hmm. a part of letting him know they're committed while Absolutely. they're working on it. I think it. it's yeah, for sure. And then uh, you know whether it's over the summer or whether they wait and see you know, six, eight games to make sure that what he did last year is, wasn't an outlier or something yeah. like that, because, you know, as much as we all like uh, six, I mean, I freaking love the guy. I want him here forever. I love the but, dude too. Uh, I, I, again, I get it from their perspective. Show, show me again. Yeah. We have one more year of contract on you. So show me again before we, you know, commit a, a, a fucking bag. Cause yeah. he's going to bag, man. It, oh, I for sure. That. I and, get it. And honestly, there's kind of two sides of this coin. And I get both sides. Uh, what exactly what you just said. I actually agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're not wrong. But then there's the other side. Like they just announced, what was it, yesterday or uh, today? The cap's going to go up astronomically after, exactly. this t- after this major TV deal that's coming down. Mm-hmm. Um my only worry is if you wait one more year, yep, you're and Baker comes out. Which is well, let me just paint the picture for you. Baker comes out, balls out, thirty-two touchdowns, six picks, four thousand yards, goes to the AFC title game. Well, <laughs> boy's gonna get paid a lot more than what he's yep. gonna get now. So it's man, I I. I don't know how these NFL GMs make these decisions. I swear, man. Like know, that, This is a tough it. spot because you've got the one side of it. People going, well, look what happened with Wentz and Goff. Now, my yeah. response to that, yeah, I thank you. I'm with you. I've never been a Jared Goff guy. I'm not. I'm not. I don't even – I think Wentz can play a little bit in the right system. I'm not a Jared Goff guy. I've been telling my buddy who's a huge Rams fan for the last three years, dude, I'm telling you, Baker Mayfield's better quarterback than Jared Goff. I don't care what the fuck you say. But – I don't, 
I don't know how you make that decision. I, I, I don't know. Cause I think it was the structure of the contract more than offering yes. the contract because yeah. you can never fault a team. If, the, if, if it's the hardest position in sports to find a, a leader, oh, at. Man. any sport, yes. as we know, well, here in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think he's the guy, if you, whoever he is, if you yeah. think he's the guy, making the aggressive move you can't fall if it doesn't work out it doesn't mean it was the wrong move it just right. means it didn't work out you got to take a shot so my my flip and i agree with you that it, it it very well could cost them a lot more if they wait and he has a big year but a lot more the flip side of the flip side is unless he completely flames out yeah. it's going to be a big bag regardless so it's just a, a matter of structure yeah. The giant bag. I mean, let's say you said, you know, whatever, 30 something touchdowns, six picks, AFC yeah. title game and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's say it's a good year, 25 yeah. touchdowns, 10 picks. They get you, to the second round of the playoffs. You're looking about the same what you would exactly. Have is yeah. that much different? No. Or it's or not. or if it's 5,200 yards, 47 touchdowns, and yeah. they hoist the Lombardi, is yeah. it going to be that much? Di- it's not really going to be that good point. much different. So I get it. I understand it. I'm not saying it's not a valid point. I'm saying from looking at it from Andrew Barry's side, I kind of lean 60, 40 weight. It is not much, but about I know. 60, 40. I'm so split on it too. Like yeah. I, I don't, like I said, I'm glad I'm not the one making those fucking decisions. I, I couldn't like, I don't even well, know. His fifth year is what? 11 million, something yeah, like that. Exactly. And, and he's made 70 million from progressive. You know, I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's true. And, and, and I'm not saying I, I'm not one of those people that says, no. oh, these athletes get paid to blah, blah. get no, what, you fuck no. get what get, you're worth. Get paid, get mate. Get, get, get what you're worth, man. Get it. But Fucking it's a. not like if they waited a year, he's like, you know, uh, waiting for his unemployment to come through. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not like they're struggling and they have to move in with his parents sure. or something like that. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I. I, I get it. I, I would say, again, I'm probably, if you force me to pick right now, I would say wait, but that's a very, it's 60-40. Yeah, 60-40. I, I pretty much gauge from that that if they did sign him, let's say July, mm-hmm. they, they reach an extension. Totally okay. Yeah, you're going to be more than okay with it, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Isn't this, isn't this great? Isn't this, yeah. isn't this just amazing that we're having conversations like this? We're having like, a conversation about giving the Cleveland Browns quarterback $40 million a year instead of who the hell is the Cleveland Browns quarterback, quarterback. going to be here? It's such a great, it's such a nice change. Somebody fucking pinch us. My goodness. Thank you, Baker. If you ever happen to see this, we love you six. Thank Abs- you for being here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can, I agree with all that. Yeah, I am. Oh, this is so much fun. This is so. This just like all. Let's get to some pain. Let's get to yeah, some residual yeah, pain. That's here. what I'm moving on to. It's right a Cleveland now. sports podcast. It doesn't feel right without pain. Yeah. So we're gonna get. We're gonna bring you some pain, y'all. Um, I asked Stephen to put together, and I put my top three together as well. The top three worst Browns free agent signings since 1999. Um, I say we start at three and count it down. I'll go to you first, uh, Stephen. Give me your number three, then I'll do my number three, and then well, back that to was you. the toughest part, getting it down to three. Three, I know. You, I, when I asked Stephen, <laughs> I was like, eight just you're like, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, he's like, any notes that I should take or anything I should know? I was like, yeah, just uh, come up with a list of your top three worst Browns free agent signings since 99. His response was, that's all, just three. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you could put all the quarterbacks you could literally, in one bin. 
one one bin alone i know um but even within that you know i just go on a little tangent here <laughs> some of the quarterbacks were worse than others like some of them like we just said some of them you get what it didn't work out but it mm. made sense robert yes. griffin would be among those you know he was still young he was yeah you know, definitely had he they had nobody else at the yes. time had he come back to half of what he was before he got hurt, it would have yep. been a genius. It didn't work out. It turned out to be a rotten signing. But that, I think, is a better shot that they took than yes. you know Garcia and DeLome and Trent Dilfer. Agreed. Who were mid-30s and brought in to be the guy. They weren't even Agreed. brought in to be a bridge to a young guy. That They were going to be the guy, you know, <laughs> which Jason Campbell, I thought, was a bad uh, signing. Yeah. I, you know. That legendary workout of RG3 and Hugh Jackson. Oh, but, <laughs> you know, and then, you know. I, the I thing mean, of legends, Stephen. Thing of legends. The earth, is it, has it stopped moving? <laughs> um, but uh, some guys you had to leave off. I mean, literally. No, you couldn't. Uh, I mean, dude, I mean, yeah. Stallworth killed a guy. I and he's <laughs> not on the list. You know, I mean, think about that. He's not on my list. Yeah, I can't. I know, and I hate to say that. No, but we're not. Yeah, we're obviously not trying to laugh at the death of a man, but it's just, it's, it just kind of puts in perspective how kind of hard this was to put three down. So finally, I just kind of was like, you know what? Which let me just do it. Just what at the time of how excited, like couple of like one of these is for me i was just super excited at the time of the signing and it did not work out so let's see what's what's start off with your number three bud the third one and i didn't put them in any order when i did it so i'm just kind of making this up here i probably have to go back if you're old enough to remember ross verba oh yes um uh in today's terms four million a year doesn't seem like no. you know, a lot of money, but then, I mean, it wasn't a, you know, a, 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 he didn't reset the market or anything, but it was a healthy deal back then. It was. Um, and he was supposed to be the guy. They were only third year into. Um, did he come uh, from Tim Green Couch. Bay? Came yes. from Green Bay, right? Yeah. Where he played pretty well. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Um, <laughs> they were still, Tim Couch was still the guy they were looking yes. to, and he was just getting the shit beat out of him. And oh, so God. trying Poor to do Tim. anything. So again, you understand the aggressiveness. You can't fault yes. the aggressiveness. No. It just didn't Didn't, work poor guy was a turnstile for four years you know and 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 then he was out of the league when he left cleveland he was out of the league for a year came back uh for one more year i think maybe two and then that was it so and again i don't want to i'm not making fun of ross verba i mean no it's just it is what it is now he could kick my ass without messing up his shoe absolutely but you know it just it it ended up being a terrible terrible signing so that would probably be my number three that's um, a good one. It was one that I actually considered. It was one yeah. that I, I considered. Absolutely. And you think about had he worked out, what does that change about Tim Couch's <laughs> Poor Tim Couch. career? You know, Poor I, Tim I mean, Couch. I, I still think he could have been if they'd given him anything in there. He I don't disagree. I don't disagree. He, he had natural talents. He did. Oh. Without a doubt. He yeah. really, he really did. That's a good one, man. I, that almost cracked. Like if I were to do a top five, it would probably make my yeah. top five Ross Fair, but that's a good one, man. Number three, my number three is now this player would go on to make a little noise after he left Cleveland. Not a lot, but a little, but I was very excited at the time when they signed him. I thought at the time it was pretty exciting that the Browns signed a, a free agent quarterback. 
and we were off the coming off the heels of a uh, playoff appearance in 2002. Yeah. 2002. My number three is Jeff Garcia. Um, and really it's not, he didn't play great here. He didn't play absolutely awful kind of, but he nowhere near hit the expectations that I had when they signed him. They signed Jeff Garcia to a four-year, $25 million deal, $5 million signing bonus, and he played. He had 10 starts in 11 games, went three and seven for 1,731 yards, 10 touchdowns, and nine picks. That's mm-hmm. very, very disappointing. <laughs> so that would be my – were you excited about the Jeff Garcia signing at the time? Not really. I kind of um... was because I – you know what it was, though, is I had Jeff Garcia – on my fantasy team in his big years in San Francisco. And I was like, right. Oh, it's a no brand. Cause he could, he could move. He was mobile. He, he kind of brought that dynamic. I was excited. It was. And I knew, let me say this. I know, you know, I, I'm not even near an expert and I don't pretend to be, I knew mm. way less back then, but sure. I could see that the scheme they had run the year before with couch and Holcomb. Yes. And the scheme that Jeff Garcia had <sighs> all that success in were not even Pol- remotely polar like. opposites yeah and, polar and, I, and opposites. he was 32 33 at the yes. time or anything like yes. that so you know and, and i guess at the time they thought we were in the playoffs last year we're set up for a run a veteran quarterback for two years three years something like that maybe that was part of it they thought they were going to continue that success from 2002 yep. uh, everything fell apart so yeah, yeah. it's a damn shame he would go yeah. on to make a little noise in philly and some relief roles but he really was pretty much a backup after this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff Garcia, man. Yeah. Yeah. Got a hot wife though. Well, Hey, they filed, they followed <laughs> that up with Jake DeLome. So, you know, yeah. who also was a candidate for my list for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was definitely a candidate for my list. All right. What's your number two, bud? Uh, guy, uh, some Browns fans may not even remember. My number two is Quentin Groves. Oh, goodness. He was, if not a stud, a really good linebacker for the Cardinals yeah. when they got him. And I thought, wow, okay, cool. This guy, he can do a lot of stuff. He's, he's athletic, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Two year, it wasn't a huge contract, <clears throat> two years for under 3 million, but his entire stat line while in Cleveland, I'll, I'll read you his entire stat line in Cleveland. He played five games. He made four tackles and was busted in one prostitution. <laughs> I could do that. You know, well, I could do the last part. I couldn't do the first two, yeah. but the point is, you know, it, it wasn't a huge contract. It wasn't like he yeah. was the guy, he was the savior to lead him to the Super Bowl or anything, but it was just, it was just a nightmare from the start. There was nothing redeeming about his no. time here. He, lit- he literally had as many prostitution bust as big plays made. He literally, <laughs> it's literally the same. Yeah. He, cause uh, we got him from Arizona, Arizona. Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. He was a pretty good player for them. Yep. And come to Cleveland. I was excited. I, I, you said you were excited about Jeff Garcia. Garcia, Yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I like this guy. Right. I I liked him in Arizona. He's going to do good things. I I was excited. Well, you know, like uh, on my other horror movie podcast, we did horror goes to space and that's where sometimes where horror goes to die. Mm. Um, Back then, not anymore. Oh yeah. You want to you want to die as a football player? You go to the Browns. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good times. That's a good one, man. That's a mm-hmm. good one. 
Yeah. God, talk about under. Oh, my goodness. That poor bastard. My second one, uh, I got it number two. Honestly, I have this one number two because this dude just pissed me off here, this lazy fuck. God (laughs) damn it. I mean, look, man, I know, like, look, I don't. I don't want you. You don't even have to be nice to the media. You don't have to, I don't care about any of that. But man, if you're going to get paid two years, $12.5 million contract, a $3.5 million signing bonus with $9 million guaranteed, you better at least fucking try, bro. And he only had five catches for 53 yards in seven games and no touchdowns for the Browns. Dwayne Bow mm. coming in at number two. Now, was this signing like this really like impact us or set us back no it's not one of those signs because it shit seven games five catches 53 <laughs> yards steven and no tutties uh-huh. what the fuck yeah and the, he was like the the, the mist it was one of those players i swear there's one every year he was like the mystery healthy scratch all the time right. or like yeah like the yeah. stuff with petting in the locker room that was always Yes, there was some, you know, and I don't have any information on that, but that was the word that there was something going on in the locker room, some kind of discontent, some kind of disagreement. And, you know, yeah, yeah, he he put on a few pounds when he came here, too. I know. Do you remember he was still he was part of that fucking uniform reveal, those hideous uniforms that we don't have to see anymore. He was part of that reveal. Where I th- it looked like the uh, the druid scene in Spinal Tap. <laughs> yes, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> dude, that's how like like I, I mean I didn't expect much from Dwayne Bow. I, I mean in reality, Dwayne Bow really only had two really good years in the NFL, really with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and he they they gave him like a what the, what was the deal before he, the Browns got him? It was something, four years, fifty million. It was something like that. But yeah, Dwayne Bow is what I have number two. I just. Man, I just – I don't hate anyone. I don't hate Dwayne Bow, but, man, I lost all respect for the dude, man. I just – come on, man. At least, at least give a shit a little <laughs> bit. For God's sakes. Like, lie to me. Lie to me. Tell me you're trying <laughs> something. Oh, my God. All right, what's your uh, number one, bud? Well, actually, he's, well, go ahead. Part, go ahead. he's part of my number one. Oh. Because I to do number one, I actually combined two guys <laughs> – that were ended up basically being the same guy. I think you know who the other one's going to be. And I'm, I think the other one's my number one. <laughs> my number one is two guys who are the same guy, Dwayne Bow and Kenny Britt. Yeah, Kenny Britt's my number one as That's well. It. Because they just, they came in and, and they weren't, it's not like they signed, when they signed Andre Risen or something like that, they weren't supposed yes. to be that guy, but they were supposed to be stabilizing and, you know, provide production and be that guy that, absolutely you know, 60 70 catches and you know he can count on them on third down that was that was the the idea you know that was the idea and, and the thing with brit i give brit a little more of a pass from the front office side than bo bo was i didn't understand why they even targeted him to be honest brit if you remember that season they yeah. had to sign somebody Some, they needed somebody at wide and there was yes. nobody left they swung yeah. and missed a couple uh, that's a exactly name. what happened yes they did I, they i'm trying tried. to think who, who were the other two big names that they they missed i don't remember but oh, there were the, good receivers they were they were i think one sign was san francisco and the, i forget god who the fuck was i can't remember either but yeah you're right brit wasn't their number one target but they Correct. needed somebody they had and to do something 
as if you look at his, his career and as our friend Jeff Lloyd likes to say, because being a Jersey guy, he followed him since Rutgers. There's two yeah. Kenny Brits. There was two Kenny Brits. There was focus, dedicated. I'm into it today. Kenny Britt, who had, I mean, the physical tool set oh, was gosh. undeniable. The yeah. dude, when, when he was on. Everything. Dude, he, he was could, a- he could tall, leave people long, in the dust. Fat, yeah, fast, tall, and everything. then there was, I, I don't give a shit. I'm not here today, Kenny. <laughs> and I think what they were hoping for was, because this was the 2017 season. Yeah, nobody was expecting 0 and 16, but they had no illusions of the playoff. They were, you know, they knew they were going to be a three, four win team. So just they need, if we can get eight, nine, ten, maybe ten games of good Kenny for this contract, that would have been a win. That's what they were going for. Yes. They didn't get it. You know, he just, he, and, and again, like we said earlier about the situation in Philadelphia this past year, or some of the defenders in Dallas this past year, it was one of those situations that snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. So you can, you sort of get why a lot of guys checked out that year, but it doesn't make it any better from evaluating him that year. No, he checked out. He checked out. And oh. he had nobody good throwing him the ball. There's all kinds of stuff that went into it. He but checked it out and cashed some checks. That's yeah. what, <laughs> that's pretty much what he did. And he's definitely my number. He's my number one. Um, he always had. You brought up what what Jeff Lloyd has always said about him. He always had that reputation, man. That he he wasn't there was some risks with him as far yeah. as being a team guy, a locker room guy, uh, or just a dedicated guy in general. Um, I don't know anything about his background. I mean, I'm not going to judge the poor guy, but nope. do you know oh. what's funny? You know, what's absolutely hilarious. Do you realize if he would have completed that entire contract, he'd be a free agent right now. <laughs> that can you fucking believe that. So yeah, Kenny Britt was my number one. Uh, he signed a four-year deal, thirty-two and a half million dollars, with a six and a half million dollar signing bonus and seventeen million guaranteed. He played nine games, eighteen catches, two hundred thirty-three yards, and two touchdowns. And now, four years later, we're legitimately and seriously discussing players coming to Cleveland to chase a ring. Can you fucking believe it? How amazing is this turnaround? That's what I'm saying. That's four why years. I, this wasn't 20 years ago. No. Four no. years. That's why I mean, like, he would literally, if he would have played this entire contract, he would be a free agent this offseason. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Man. That was the one, and it, it kind of comes back to what you said. I understood why they did it, because they, they needed wide receivers so bad. Anybody. Anybody. And they missed out in the first two or three that went off the board of free agency really fast. I'm I, like, I know there's some people that like, you know, uh, Sasha, fuck Sashi. I'm not fuck Sashi guy. I, I, I think Sashi Brown did a lot of great things for this organization, a lot. But this was the one move where I told myself, I don't know if this is the guy to be making these decisions. Mm. I, like I want him in like, I would love Sashi Brown in my organization and hell being the team president for God's sakes. I would love that. Um, but this was the one Sashi move that I look back on. Even at the time, I was like, mm, I don't know, man. Now, refresh me. Was that this or was it the year before? No, I think it was 2017. Part of that was the Drew Rosenhaus, Terrell Pryor 
situation. Wasn't yes, that the same yes. year? I, I'm pretty sure. Yes. It was right around that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, I mean, it's not like, and I remember saying that at the time and then I shut up cause I just got attacked for it. <laughs> I was like, look guys, they tried. They, they tried for a couple other guys. I they missed. I don't fault them too much for that, for that move. I mean, but right. it, in hindsight, yes, it was an oh, absolute, it was awful. a terrible move. Uh, but they had, they had their wide there receiver. There was no option. It was a joke. It was one of the worst wide receiver rooms I have ever seen on any Cleveland Browns team. And we know this, especially from the last 20, 21 years, 30, 20 some years, the wide receiver rooms, we've had a lot of bad wide receiver yeah. rooms, <laughs> a shit ton. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, that one coming off the heels of 16, 2016 was one of the worst you will ever see. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, that was fun. Thank you so much for doing that. That was, oh, uh, was a that, good time. I like that. I got, before I get you out of here real quick, did you have anything else you want to add on your top three there? All no. Right. Perfect. All right. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. This is going to be like a thing I do at the end of every episode, I guess. I just call it five random ass questions. Um, oh, well, so this is from going back to the days of, uh, of, um, on the daily show with, uh, there you uh, go. What was his name before John? Oh, um, shit. Um, the guy that came from Sports Center. Oh, yeah, God, uh, I could see his uh, face. Uh, uh, Coburn or no, Craig no, no. Kilborn. Craig, Craig Kilborn. Thank he used you. Used to do five questions at yeah. the end yes. of the show. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to be doing this, and they're just five random ass questions. They they could be Browns related. They might not be. It's just random ass God, stuff. Geez. And if I five random ass questions. Once <laughs> once I get my Rodecaster Pro, which is like a a soundboard essentially for streaming and podcast. Uh, I'll be able to get some nice sound effects with this, but uh, well, just, just as they cost upfront, $600, depending on what you ask, you know, some of those court documents are sealed and I'm you, not allowed to speak. Understandable. Them, so, I, I did a full know. background check. So I have all that right here for you. <laughs> all right. Five random ass questions. And again, these are just random ass, right. five random ass questions. True or false Rocky. <laughs> True or false. Rocky four is an elite 80s movie. Wow. <laughs> I guess it depends on your definition of elite. Look, man. Because if you look back now at what people who weren't there think the 80s was, it does yes. kind of symbolize the era. It does. But in the time, because I grew up in the outside 80s. of Paulie's robot net. The, oh, but come yeah. on. How do you not love the robot? It was so awful. <laughs> It was the Rocky version of, of Jason in space. Yes, um, it kind of was. But if you go back at the time and try to think of, you know, elite movies, like yes. really actually good movies, mm -hmm. then no, it's nowhere near that. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's about as 80s as it gets. The scene with uh, with um, Carl Weathers entering the ring with the James Brown song oh. is just, it's yes. hysterical. It's hysterical. Living in an America, man. Oh, it was great. Yeah, you, you know, a funny side to that, uh, Stallone just... I can change. Yeah, you can, <laughs> can change. Everybody oh. can change. Yes, oh, jeez. Yeah, it's riveting cinema, cinema <laughs> man. Um, it's funny because Stallone just wrapped up cutting uh, a, a collector's edition uh, director's cut of Rocky Four. It's going to come out in a new Blu-ray. It's going to be the extended right. director's cut. Cut out the robot, right? They cut out the robot. Yeah. yeah, I think that's funny. So that this this will kind of give you an idea. And I wasn't. I gotta lying. say, I gotta say, as much as we all pretend Rocky uh, Five never actually existed, yeah, I was very pleased with Rocky Balboa and how I was Rocky too. I was too. The really, sixth really one, good. I yeah. was too, and the Creed films. I really enjoy the yeah. Creeds too. They're good. Yeah. yeah well, 
uh, full disclosure, the original Rocky is my favorite film of all time. And, oh, okay. Yeah, full disclosure on that. Oh, I, I told you these these are five random ass questions. Yeah. All right, number two, rank these comedians. Oh, jeez. Richard Pryor, Eddie mm. Murphy, and Chris Rock. Oh, good grief! You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I, as much as they're all great, they're all they're all amazing comedians. I let think me, you let me agree. let me put it this way: I I don't mean this in any way as a slight to the other two when yes. I say number one of that group is easily Richard Pryor. Bam, I agree. Easily, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, I good think friend he's probably mine, the greatest. Uh, a friend of mine, open for him, you know, for a long time, years and years and years ago. Sure. And um, uh, he said the same. He said that Pryor would do the same thing that I have another friend who was the regular opener for Carlin for a long, long time. Yeah. And both of them have told me stories that they would get in the car to go to a gig from LA and it'd be like a four hour drive. On the course of that four hour drive, Pryor and Carlin would just make up a new 45 minutes go on stage that night and fucking blow the doors off. Them. Just Love kill, it. just kill. Which to yes. me, I mean, I have to write 30 pages of material to get one new good joke. You know, right? just, <laughs> they're on another level. These yes. guys, I mean, they're, they're from another planet. Now, yes. again, that's not to say because Eddie was groundbreaking on so many levels and still is. I think and, he might be one of the most talented performers oh, in the history so of entertainment. Yes. He's ridiculous. He was and my Chris, he, he was my comedy make, idol growing up. I'm just What kind it. of a list are you putting together where Chris Rock is third? I know. I mean, he's I know. He's I, so good. So good. He's such a technician yes. at the art, you know. Thank he's you. so And yes, he's personality plays into it and his personality mm -hmm. is a big part of his act, but the technical, the writing and the structure and the pacing and everything yes. like that as a as a fellow comedian I watch the art form and the technical mm -hmm. stuff a little bit differently than other sure, people. Obviously, I'm just yeah. in awe. I'm just in awe yeah. of Chris Rock when yeah. he does his stuff. When he gets on a roll, it's it's bigger and black. Uh, bigger and blacker may be my favorite comedy special of all time. But it, they're, they're it, all it, so good. Yeah, they're all excellent. I knew that with <laughs> I knew you were gonna kind of hate that question, but it was, oh. <laughs> that's a tough well, one. And and the thing about it, I see these <laughs> things all the time on social media. Rank. The definitive ranking of, yes. of comedy movies. The definitive ranking of yeah, albums. you hate that and shit. That's part of the reason why I asked it. <laughs> it's art. Yeah, it is. Art is extremely personal. It hits every Absolutely. single person. So there is no definitive list no. of anything. There's not. You no. Know? There's there's no favorites. there's no wrong like that question. Right. There is no wrong answer. There. No. There's no. not. If someone no. had Chris Rock first, Eddie first, Pryor first. There's no wrong answer. Art is very personal. Absolutely. Very personal. Absolutely. Well said, man. Well said. All right. Um, okay. This one. Are you ready for this one? Jesus, are they getting harder? I don't know. Number three. <laughs> Melena Trump, Rosie O'Donnell, B. Arthur. Marry one, fuck one, divorce one. Go. Jeez. Well, I'm going to marry B. Arthur because... She's one of the funniest people to ever walk the face of the earth. You're goddamn right. And she was even before Golden Girls existed. Oh, Maud. Yes. Oh, she was so good. And she had that slow burn. She could do this. Talented individual. Better than anybody else yes. who ever lived. She was so good. And that's not taking anything away from Golden Girls. She was tremendous on that. Oh, too. she was fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. So you, you, you would marry 
B Arthur. Okay. Right. So now, what, now, and now what were the other two were the other two and what were the other two choices again? Uh, f- fuck one or divorce one. Melania Trump and Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I would, the, it's usually kill one, but I didn't want you to kill anybody. I think that's a little hard. So I threw divorce one in there. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to divorce Melania Trump. And uh, just because I'm a comedian, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go with no Rosie O'Donnell. You know? Absolutely. Be, Snuggle up, man. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be funny. She's a funny. She's she super would find funny. you. She would, she, you know, she's got, she would so, find me funny on so many ways. Go ahead and say it. If no, we were she, having sex, she would be laughing for sure. She would definitely absolutely. be laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gets a lot of shit, but she, you're, you're, you're not wrong. She is a very funny individual. Oh God. Yes. In, in the late eighties. Oh was gosh. Among the best. She almost in a star studded cast in league of their own. And oh. I mean, a star studded cast yeah. in that. She almost kind of steals the show a little bit yeah. in a lot of scenes. Yeah. yeah. She's always been super funny. I mean, whether you agree with her politics or not, or her views, who cares? She's funny. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four. Most memorable comedy show that you've performed in. You mean like a televised show or just anything? A, stand up, club. stand club, any, any, any live or club show or t- memorable. Any, most me- uh, let me kind of rephrase most memorable comedy gig that you've ever been you've ever performed it well i guess it would depend on from was the show the best or was it no just your personal experience like, like the most i can't fun believe you- this happened it was such a debacle or <laughs> most fun or most fun kind of the most yeah most I, that was what i was shooting for like most okay. in a positive light memorably most positively memorable comedy show you've ever performed well i or been a part of, I should say. I'll take the the easy route first and say I've done a couple dozen tours overseas uh, sure. on military bases, Afghanistan, Iraq, places like that. Those what are always a blast, no awesome, matter what. Dude. Those are Love always that. a blast, and those people, the, the the best. It's it's kind of macabre, but there's a saying: the closer you get to the bullets, the better the audiences are. Sure, so grateful. Absolutely. You know, um, but <laughs> if you're talking just a regular. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, boy, I've had a lot of fun, especially. I know. I figured this one would be a tough one, tough answer because you've seen that, done that, been around. There's been a few nights. All right, I'll say this. There was one night in particular uh at Brad's club in Vegas. Yeah, where I got to see you. That's awesome. Um, and Brad was there. I've I've been Mm -hmm. with Brad a few times. Um and funny, funny fucker, man. God damn it. And nothing like if you've never seen his stand-up and you're expecting yeah. Robert Barone. Yeah, you're not you're not getting it. Yeah. Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> he's so funny, so quick. My God, he's so fast. He's he's so talented. A lot of people don't know that he he was the first Star Search comedy winner. He, oh, he wow. was I didn't he know was that. Sinatra's regular opener for like 10 years. That's I mean, awesome. I had no career, idea about that. Remember the remember the old uh uh ELO uh album cover from the 70s with the big the big yes. guy holding this that's Brad. Yes. He's the model. I had no fucking he clue. Used to, he used to hang out with Sammy Dave. I mean, he hung out with all the I mean, the career that guy has had is just yeah. amazing. But there was one night I was there with him, friend of mine named Kevin Jordan. And we didn't know this at the time, uh, but Gilbert was coming in okay. to do a guest spot. He was, it was, 
Sunday night, no, it was Saturday night. He was at the club starting Monday and he came in a couple of days early. I think he had a corporate gig mm-hmm. at the convention center on Sunday or so. I don't remember why he was there early. Saturday, we go out and it was a great Saturday night crowd in Vegas. It was just one of those mad, the show itself, Brad killed and I killed and Kevin killed. And at the end, he comes out, yeah, you guys ready? You ready for a special? So I've been telling you all night, there's a special surprise. You know, I have a special, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. Place goes ballistic. I mean, two minutes standing ovation before he even hits the stage. That's awesome. And it was I the, love roof, Gilbert. the roof, the roof came off the place. But as Gilbert is wont to do, if he notices in the crowd that people are getting offended, he will go at them. He'll amp it, right? Oh, <laughs> oh, you thought that was, was offensive. offensive. Yeah. Where do you hear that? Like it's something that he enjoys doing. And so there were people that he's were kind of a troll. I like it. Livid, you know, by the end. I mean, 90% of the crowd is just having, having a ball. Right. <clears throat> so at the end of it, Brad comes out again and he's trying to placate those people. And I, and I don't remember how it happened, but he started telling more jokes. The crowd started coming back. And at some point he had a woman on stage with him and she had a boa. And then Kevin and I came out of the green room and we were on stage and I'm dancing with the boa doing stripper moves and Kevin is slapping my ass. And it was just, it was like, it was just bizarre. Like you could not possibly love that. It was, uh, that's my, that's my kind of scene, man. That was a blast, man. That's a a great story that. Wow. I'm glad I asked that question. That was, I love that answer. Yeah. That's then there one. was there was one week in uh, in at the uh, oh what the hell was the name of the place? It was in Orange County, New Jersey. Uh, shit, I can see the inside of the club. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, uh, four nights in a row, I was the feature act. Four nights, and it was four different headliners. It was um, Pat Cooper, mm-hmm. who if you if people don't know, look him up. Yeah. Legend, yep. legend, absolute from back in the day. legend. Yes, um, Tom Papa who at the time had his uh, come to Papa show on television. Uh, and then the last two nights was Sherman Hemsley. No, I'm sorry. Third Friday night was Sherman Hemsley. Oh, from fuck. the Jeffersons. Yeah. And Saturday night legend was, too. Uh, Dr. Dirty. Oh God. And so it was wow. one of the most amazing weeks I've ever been through in my, and they were all, that's a wild super nice. Yeah. That's super awesome. nice. Sherman Hemsley is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, I love them. They, so, yeah, that was that was an interesting week. That was a very interesting rascals. That was the name of the club. Oh, okay, in, rascals. In West Orange. Like yeah. that name. I like yeah. that name. That's a good name. Right. It, it was predominantly a comedy club. Is that what it, was? it was a comedy club. Yeah. That's awesome. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that, dude. That was some good answers. I liked. That. I got one All more. Right. One more. This is. A, uh, I don't know. Yeah, this might be an easy quiz. Uh, it might be easy for you. We'll see. Number five, final question of random five random ass questions. Who deserves more credit for the Browns turnaround? Sashi, oh, for God's sake. Sashi, <laughs> who deserves more credit for the Browns turnaround? Sashi Brown or John Dorsey? Oh, for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Again, I don't think there's any wrong answer here. So don't feel like, hey, man, I got to say this. I got to say what you think. And fuck it. yeah, no, I'm trying to figure out if I lean one way or the other, because yes. Baker, uh, which, you know, as we said before, the quarterback, most important position in sports, if you want to win a championship. Yep. That was John, Dor- John Dorsey's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick now, that's that's not to say 
because he was an analytical darling that yes. Sashi Brown wouldn't have picked him. True. He very I, I probably would have. Probably. But I don't disagree there. with that. Yeah. He wasn't there. Correct. So that, um, yeah, Nick Chubb. Um, but, but you know what's funny about the Nick Chubb is Dorsey, Dorsey deserves the credit for taking him, but you don't have that pick without Sashi. Oh, yeah. You don't have a lot of what you, oh, Of did. course. Yeah, it, it's a, it's yeah. A, again, I don't think there's there's not a wrong answer here. There's not. Well, and, and they were they were in charge at two different points in the build. Correct. Too. People have to exactly. remember that. The goal every year, they like to publicly say, all 32 teams say, our goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> we're not stupid, okay? The goal when Sashi was in charge... To fucking lose. ...was to build as much yes. capital and as Correct. much cap space as possible. That was what they were trying to do. Yes. Um, and he did it, you know? Um, and, and, and I don't think anybody expected again, nobody expected yeah. 0 16, nobody expected one in 31, but they didn't expect to compete. They felt that like it would be a three and 13, sure. know, maybe four and 12 team. That was the whole thing. Now, when John came along and they had those, you know, four picks in the top 35 or 37 or whatever it was. Now you're starting to expect to maybe not compete for a Super Bowl yet, but you're starting to expect to win more. Right. So the expectations and what you do and how you approach mm -hmm. it are different. Yeah. Now with Andrew Barry, you're even in a different, we're in the window now. Yes. So you are trying to win every year. Absolutely. Um, and while you don't want to do it, people say, oh, you're just kicking the salary cap can down the road. Yeah, that's what you fucking do in the window. If you <laughs> Absolutely. have to. Absolutely. That's the point. You know that exactly. five, six, seven years from now, you're not going to compete anymore. Absolutely. So who gives a shit if the cap is held in? I mean, you don't right. want that. You do everything you can not to have that happen. Of course. But, but if that's the choice between competing and not competing because we have to sign this one guy, then you I'll, do it. It's, yeah, absolutely. And I you know, will take that. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know if you have the depth. It's a shitty question. I'm not going to lie. It's a the depth that you have without Sashi Brown. You're, yeah, because a, a lot point. more picks, that's you know, a, good a point. lot more cap space, a lot more. Absolutely. It, it, it's but, it's it's a tough question to answer. Could and be, I'm could, an analytics guy. I know you are. Back during the uh, wars of Sashi and Hugh, I came down firmly. I said, I, I, if they're going to fire one of them, it needs to be you. Oh, I, I, 100%. I even, I even yeah, agree with that at the time. And I, I just, but, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the quarterback position is so important. And if he is yes. the guy, and that I know I think he is, and you think he is, and a lot of Browns fans think he is, then I think that probably, God, maybe not even 60-40, maybe more like a 53-47 towards John, just because the, the quarterback apportionment, it's that. That's a now, had he stayed and continued on the spending spree and, and wasting picks like mm -hmm. he did, mm -hmm. I don't think we'd be here right now. No. But – just because of six, I think it's maybe that much more. Yeah, that's the thing with John. And I, I, I think even the John Dorsey, I don't want to call them haters, but people that weren't big fans of Dorsey, it's mm -hmm. undeniable that he's an excellent talent evaluator. I mean, he mm -hmm. is. He, he, he can watch film and evaluate talent. The rest talent. of it is not exactly his strong. Exact. <laughs> it stops there. Right. <laughs> like it, it is completely, he, he's like, to me, and I love, and like, there's some things I like about John. I just, he's just an interesting fellow a little bit, but at the end of the day, he was, to me, he was just a great scout turned GM that wasn't, that couldn't just adopt all the things that you need to adopt in today's world of the NFL of being a mm -hmm. GM. 
And Sashi, but you take Sashi, he got all that, that today's world of being a GM with the analytics and this cap and everything and acquiring assets. He got all that, but he, at the, at the end of the day, he wasn't a true, true talent evaluator. So it's Mm. so funny to me. I'm right there with you. 53, 47. That is a great answer slightly to John Dorsey. That's a good answer. I like that. It's no, there's no, I, there's no again, wrong answer had, there. Had he continued, I don't think we would have had the, the year we had this past year. You're probably, I, I really don't believe that. You're I probably think, not wrong. You're probably not wrong. I think I, I said at, the, at, at last year, I said they needed a guy when, after they were hired. I said they needed, they needed guys like Andrew Barry yeah. and Kevin Stefanski. And after watching the way they handled not only this year, but the, the bizarre year that it was, yeah. I, 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 have ramped that up. I they didn't, they didn't need guys like that. They needed these two exact guys. Right. Exactly. Not a guy like Kevin Stefanski. They needed Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. They, these are in, in, a, in a rare Cleveland win, yes. the right people in the right place at the exact right time. Yeah, I think absolutely we have. That's what I think. And to top it all off, he's he's a handsome motherfucker, man. That's what the ladies <laughs> seem to think. He is a handsome devil. I that salt and pepper beard. I got a little bit of it too. Mm. He, he got that salt and pepper beard rocking. Shit, man. Mm. I can't. Well, Steven, this we, we went over, but I, I don't care. I, I, listen. Oh, holy crap. We did. Yeah. But hey, listen, guys, this is the kind of episodes to expect from us where this just turned out, turned, turned into two guys talking about the Browns and that's really what I want. And I want laughs and I want, I want it to be funny in an entertaining way. And I hope you guys were able to get some laughs out of this episode. I'm sure I hope you did. Um, Steven, where can the fine people of Browns nation find you, my friend? Easiest thing is just uh, on Twitter at Browns mock draft. Everything flows through there. (laughs) You know, everything flows through there. You know, yes. I mean, the, all the OBR stuff that I write gets, you know, t- retweeted through there. Um, uh, most of my comedy ha- at some point or another yeah, has been absolutely. retweeted through there. You know, um, you know, if you want to download my first CD, which is, I think it's still in my pinned, it might be in my pinned tweet. I don't even remember anymore, but it's all there. Magic wife dust. So, you know, but the easiest thing I'm usually you know, especially like I said before, I'm here all day, every day, driving my yeah. wife crazy uh, <laughs> at Brown's mock draft is where I can be found most of the time. Well, awesome, dude. And uh, thanks for being on the episode one of not the same old Brown's podcast. It's kind of serendipitous because I actually asked you probably six years ago, if you would be interested in doing a Brown's podcast with mm. me. So this is the next best thing I got you. I finally started the podcast and got you on to be guest number one. And well, I set one. the bar nice and low. So you you, <laughs> guests two and three will have an easy time get, making it get better. There you go. And guys, you can find me, you, you can follow the show at not same Browns on Twitter. Um, my Twitter for my Twitter is uh, Andy Cleves underscore. Um, let, let me know on Twitter. Uh, add us on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the format, what you think of the show, all feedback, good or bad. It's all good. Cause all feedback is good. So I appreciate you guys for listening. And next week, we will be getting some Browns free agency reaction. That'll be episode two. We'll react to what the Browns do in the first few days of free agency. And we'll kind of go from there, man. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Steven, thanks again for joining me, bud. Thanks for having me on. Go Browns. All right, guys. Go Browns. And we'll see you in the next episode.